Welcome to the Raising Kids Together podcast. Raising Kids Together is a place where moms of all ages and stages come together from all over the world to walk this journey of mothering with one another. This podcast is just a small glimpse into the things that we are talking about in our daily Zoom meetings. I am your host, Tina Smith, and each week you can listen in as I and others share God's word and grow in our spiritual parenting. I am praying that you are blessed as you listen in. for joining me for today's episode of Raising Kids Together podcast. We are listening in as Jamie Bailey from Expedition Marriage shares how we can be salt and light for our husbands. I'm going to pray and we will get into it. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for all the sweet little kids represented in this room, Lord, and the stories that we could share about them and how their, their little hearts are being shaped to love you and to pursue you. And Lord, I just pray for that, that boldness that Alicia's son has to, to not leave him, Lord. And that is the childlike faith we should have where we maybe not do the Bible thumping, but where we do like chase people around to know who you are, Lord. And um, you are the answer, especially in today's world, Lord, that has just become more and more obvious. And God, I thank you for this group of women and this room that you've given to us and the faithfulness that you've shown us by showing up every single day together as we meet. And Lord, just thank you for this hour every morning that we can use this space as a launching pad into our day, putting our eyes fixed on you and focusing on you. Lord, I just ask that you use me this morning, however you see fit. I am open for that, God, and just let your words be proclaimed here. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, well, we talked a lot yesterday. Tina talked a lot. This whole week's theme is going to be on significance. I'm taking a little bit of a twist on it, and we're going back to some marriage stuff today. So <clears throat> some weeks it fits, and some weeks it doesn't, but it absolutely does this week, and because that, you know, another definition of significant, you know, is great or important, you know, worthy of attention. And so that, that is a big thing. And we talked yesterday, you know, about being the salt of the earth and that we are, we are the salt and we're not only the salt of the earth, but we are in position to be the salt in our homes as well. And so we want to be the salt for our husbands. You know, and we also talked about, you know, finding our person, that person who's filled with grace and truth and who's going to be there for you, you know, the 2 a.m. person and all of that. Well, again, we're in position to be that person for our husbands as well. We are his best, best helpmate and his best resource. And so we want to be walking, walking in that. All right. And so... <clears throat> we're God has placed us in position to be able to remind our husband of his significance. We're in a, in a spot to remind our husbands that they are seen, that they are important and that they are worthy of God's love, that they are worthy of our love. And our husbands have a lot of insecurities. They do not show them to us. 
that that's just not that's not societally acceptable <laughs> you know for men to show their weakness they don't and a lot of husbands withhold they don't want to share their vulnerabilities they don't want to share their struggles with us and the number one reason for that is because they don't want to burden us they don't want to share what they're scared of or what they're stressed about because they don't want us to have the burden of of carrying that and so they don't want to worry us so they keep everything close to their chest majority of them do and so we're in a good position to constantly point them back to jesus to help them feel significant and to be there because just as we talked yesterday how we're made in god's image so is your husband so is your husband and god placed us right next to him to remind him of that to remind him that he is a man that he is a husband that he is a father that is made in god's image and that is a sweet spot. We have power as women. We are highly influential. We're highly influential, especially to our children and to our husbands. And so if you look at, we're gonna to go to Ephesians 5.33, which that says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, God gives us these two commands. God doesn't tell us we need to love our husbands. Why? Because he doesn't need to tell us something that we do pretty naturally. Loving people tends to not be difficult for us. Now, respecting them, mm, we're really big about you need to prove it. I need you to earn this. You need to show me why, why you're respectable. We struggle with that. But our husbands, on the other hand, they do need a little help. They do need the command. You need to be tender with your wife. You need to love your wife. And so how we feel significant in our marriages is through being loved. But our husband, our, our husbands are going to feel significant through being respected. And that's not always that easy for us to do. And so when we feel unloved here's what normally happens the pattern that happens when we feel unloved we tend to lose respect we won't respect our husbands and the same thing happens to them when they feel disrespected it's harder for them to love us they don't show, show us love as well yes alicia it is the crazy train it's the crazy train that we get into and so but the the thing is is there's no clause in Ephesians 5.33, it's not, it's not, however, let each one of you love your wife as himself only when she is respecting you and only when she's not being crazy, only when she's not overspending, over when she's not, you know, keeping up with her duties or any, or when she's doing stuff at home, you know, and it doesn't say let the wife see that she respects her husband when he follows Jesus perfectly, when he does all the things that I expect, and when he's doing great at work, and there's no clause. There's absolutely no clause in that verse. Husbands, love your wife. As much as you, as much as you look out for yourself, look out for your wife. Love your wife in that manner. And wives, respect your husband. Not when he does something. It is just a command to respect our husbands. And that's hard. That's hard. Okay. And so here's the deal with our husbands. I talked about them having insecurities and needs. And I want to go over a few of those. We're going to get into some like list building here today. And so some of the needs that our husbands have 
One, they have a need to be trusted. They need to know that we as their wives trust them, trust them to make right decisions and, and trust them to lead our family. You know, we need to trust the position that they're in. And when we respect them, that shows them that we have trust for them. Why? Because you don't trust somebody that you don't respect. If you think that person is dishonest, you're not really going to naturally show respect. And so when we respect them, that also gives the underlying message that we trust them. And so that meets a big need that our husbands have. And so the second one is they need to know that we believe in them. That is so important to our husbands. And so when we show them respect, we're reducing their fear of failure. When we believe in them, they're more likely to go after things. They're gonna try things. We're giving them approval to try something and, and fail at it. And so that is a big deal for our men. Number three, they have a need to be seen as a leader. And it's also a huge insecurity for them that maybe they're gonna be found out that they're not. Maybe they're gonna be, your husband can be in a job that he's been in for 20 years and still shows up at work with some insecurities that maybe somebody's gonna find out that they don't really know all that, they, all that people think that they know. They walk with this insecurity on a daily basis. And so they love, they have a need to be seen as a leader. And when we show them respect, what it does is it discourages passivity in them. Passivity in men and in our husbands has become a big deal. Most men aren't leading. The men who aren't leading aren't leading because not because they weren't made to be leaders, not because of their personality traits. They're not leading because they're insecure about it. And they don't think their wives believe in them and they think they're going to fail at it. And so when we respect our husband and we are going to talk about practical ways to do that, but our respect, that one thing, just showing respect provides a whole slew of things for our husbands. It meets a whole lot of needs. And just like if you think about if we spin this, go back to for the what the command for the husbands, you know, to love us, what does when they love us, what does that show us? It shows us our significance. It shows us that we're valuable. It shows us that we believe we're attractive at that point. We believe we're good wives at that point. There's so much it says about us, the way that they love us. It's what tells us we're enough. It's God working through them. God will work through the love of your husband to speak deeply to your heart. God will work through the way we respect our husbands to speak to their hearts and to meet their needs and their insecurities. And so this is a big deal to just get respecting our husbands and, and doing that well. And so if your husband is not a leader, it's not, probably mainly because of insecurity. And that is something as a wife, we're in position to build them up to, to believe in them and to come behind them with that. And the fourth thing, the fourth need or insecurity that husbands have is they need encouragement. They are not good at letting us know they need encouragement. Why? Because they put on that man front. 
that I, I've got this, I'm going to do this, or they'll show a lot of anger, they'll show frustration, things that are a little more prickly, and we're, we're like, fine, if you got this, go ahead. And we step away from that instead of seeing it as a need or an insecurity that, that they have. And so that's not what we want to be doing. We need to remember that our husbands, no matter how manly they're coming across, they need our encouragement. They need us uplifting them. Let's see what Alicia did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alicia, for learning not to ask me what I just said, because I have no idea. But, but it was basically that God will work through our respect to directly speak to the heart of your husbands. And he'll do the same thing through love to directly speak to, to our hearts. But our, our husbands need our encouragement, our encouraging words through respect that wards off defeat in them. They'll keep on going, they'll keep on trying with us behind them, encouraging them and respecting them enough to, to believe in them, to know that they, they can, you know? And so the whole benefit in all of this is when we show our husband's respect, which is oftentimes difficult it's often difficult, but when we show them respect, the benefit we get is we're now priming them to make loving us super easy. Because if we're over here next to them, making them feel good and feel worthy and feel significant, we're gonna be that number one person in their lives. We're gonna be the one that's like, man, I love her. My wife makes me feel good. She makes me feel important. She makes me feel like everything God made me to be. You know, that is huge. That's a huge deal. And so now we want to get practical with it. So now that we know the many links respect has, what it can do, the power of respect in our husband's life, it comes down to, okay, that's great. So how do we do that? How do we show our, our husband's respect? Okay, I'm going to give you a list of eight things here. Okay, number one. You'll look for opportunities. You'll look for opportunities where he does show you that he needs something. Is he feeling discouraged? Is he having a hard time at work? Don't wait for your husband to tell you these things. A lot of it you know. You know when his mood shifts. My husband personally gets cranky. When he has a need, when he is stressed, he is the kindest, nicest man always, but not when he's stressed. He gets a little crabby and a little, you know, thin skin. And that's how I know, all right, babe, what's going on? What do you, what do you need? What are you stressed about? So look for opportunities where they're discouraged, where you can approach them and then you can, you know, enter in their lives. And, and there are, there are statements that husbands love to hear, write these three, three things down, babe, honey, whatever you call your husband, you can do it. I really think you can do it. So you can do it. I believe in you. I don't know how you're feeling about yourself, but I believe in you. And you're capable. You're capable, honey. You, you've got this. You're capable. Those are things when a husband knows that his wife is believing in him to do it and that his wife believes in him, Men are simple in that fashion. That's all they need. Us women, we want to know that my husband believes it. My friends believe it. All of you guys in this room believe it. We want to know all the reassurance. Our husband 
just needs a wife helping him beside him going, babe, you got it. They'll take off running. They will take off running with that. Yes, Tina, our sons need to hear that too. Your little boys are wired the same way. They're wired the same way. And in fact, so many men who struggle with these insecurities, a lot of them have taken root by how mamas have treated them. A lot of them have been by fathers, but I don't have the fathers right here. But mamas who have said, you can't do that, son, that's too dangerous. You're gonna get hurt doing that. We like to be safe. We like to be predictable. We don't like to let our sons take chances and make bold moves. And so a lot of them have been squashed. They've been overcorrected. It's like, that was good, but here's how it should have been. Here's how you should have done it. And so, yes, we want to speak those things to our sons. But as wives, we get to start unraveling that and undoing some of those, those wounds that our adult husbands may still be carrying around, around with them. So let me see here. Let me read. Megan, my husband was struggling with something and was crying to me. I told him it's okay to show you're vulnerable and it's something our kids need to see. Yes and amen. He said he can't because he's the man and needs to be strong. I told him that's what society says and it's not true. He felt by showing his weakness that our little family would feel he didn't have it together anymore. Okay, this is the biggest lie for men because here's what I do when, when we've sat across men who feel like it's vulnerable, it's weak, they think crying and showing emotion is weak. And then I will ask them, well, what is harder to do? Being vulnerable or manning up? Well, crying, crying is harder. No, it, the weaker thing is not withholding your, emo or is not showing your emotions because that requires for a man to cry, a man to show vulnerability, Ask him how much strength it requires of him to do that. That is what's hard. That's where the strength is. Teaching our, our children that men can cry and men can be vulnerable, that is a position of power to be able to say, this is all of me and I'm going to let you see it. That's a powerful position. And so ask your husband, well, then is it harder for you to cry or is it harder for you to act like you have it all together? It's easy to hold it all together, but it is hard for them to show weakness. And so that they're crying, they're sharing emotion. You remind your husband that no, baby, that is when I see you the strongest. That, and that is when I can trust you the most, when I know you're always going to be honest with me and let me in and share with me how you really feel. That's like the strongest I've ever seen you is when you allow your vulnerabilities to show. So, okay, let's see. All right, Alicia, you got something to say? This might sound silly, but I was thinking of a reference. Who has seen Despicable Me? Uh -huh. So there's this part where it, it it's a flashback to his childhood of all this stuff that he's doing, trying to impress his mom. And she's just like, eh, eh, and not, and just, so it just made me think about that. When you said we need to teach this to our kids too, just how important it is to build them up because it like the same thing happened in his adulthood and it just, you know, flooded back to those memories of his childhood of his mom, not being happy or impressed or any, nothing positive. Yeah. With mm -hmm. yeah and, and that's what happens and we can even know better, but it's still there. And that is really, that is the root of, of Proverbs train up a child in the way they should go. Because when they are old, it is difficult to depart from that. And so when we're raised up in that way, it is hard to depart from that. And that, that right there is my husband's story. 
this was really great what you did, but if next time if you would do this, it would be better. That is nothing. And I know that my mother-in-law felt like that was encouraging him. I just want him to be his best. Well, my goodness, do you know what kind of pressure that is to put on somebody to perform at their best level all the time and to tell them that their best effort at that, at that moment wasn't good enough? You know, and, and that scarred my own husband with a not good enough thing. So, and you know what men will do if they don't think they're going to be good enough? They will not try. They will find that it is pointless and just forget it. I'm not even going to try because it doesn't even matter. And that's not good enough. Let me see what Ariana said. I will admit that I definitely need to work on this. I support him in his work and encourage him. But as soon as he comes home, I fail at that a lot. Yes, that that's the witching hour. That's not our finest moment. <laughs> um, I guess it's partly because I'm here at home all the time by myself, taking care of the kids while he's on the road all the time. I'm used to being alone and doing it all by myself, basically. I don't do it deliberately, and I hate that I do it, but I'm going to work on it. I want to get to the point where he can come home and try to help with our everyday duties and where I can support him in those areas, too. Yes, and Ariana, what that, <clears throat> that requires is planning. You now have an awareness. Okay, at this time, this time frame when my husband gets home, I'm vulnerable to falling prey. You know, and that is a hard time. Mamas, we've been dealing with the kids all day long. We are tired. Somebody's been groping at us physically, mentally, emotionally. We are ready to tag in. And that's hard. And so we need to be in a position to know that about ourselves and prepare ourselves for that. And it might be, you know what, 4.30, the half an hour before dad gets home or whatever time that is, everybody's going to have reading time. If you have to turn a TV on, to go, you know what, everybody get out of my hair so I can calm down. And I would get the kids ready for dad to come home. I would get them on board with that. It's like, let's all set the table. Let's do, you know, whatever, and get them excited about daddy coming home, which would help my mood. But some days that is just really hard. But when we know it, we can get, we can get ahead of it. And so, Ariana, you are not alone with that. You're not alone with that. <clears throat> yeah, Vanessa even, even uh, shared that as well. Yes, I've called that the meltdown. It is. It's hard for your kids. They're tired. It's hard for us. It's just, ugh. Uh, yeah. And I don't even have kids at home. And that's still hard for me that hour. I'm just done. By that time of the day, I'm done. Yeah, Megan, you're not powerful enough to do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I do want to speak, Tina. I wanted to say, um, so, you know, Cyrus is one. And I have found myself encouraging him. You can do it. And then get excited when he climbs on the couch or, and I have taken that and kind of spilled it over into my marriage. Um, just to, you know, I mean, we play a video game together and he'll, Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to. And I just encourage him not in the same baby tone. I do Cyrus, but it, um, I've noticed, a lot of like he'll say his attitude at home has changed mm -hmm. because he does feel encouraged he does feel like he can do it whether it's yeah. making breakfast or last night he gave Cyrus a bath he doesn't normally give Cyrus a bath that's normally what I do but it's like he <coughs> wanted to do it and so he did it and it was was it how I do it no Mm -hmm. But did Cyrus get clean? Yes. Was there yes. pizza all over his face anymore? No. Did he still smell like a sweet baby when he got out of the bathtub? Yes. So, I mean, 
it got yeah. done. Yeah. And that, and that's what's important. And men, well, men and husbands and wives, neither of us are, very few people are actually good at asking for what we need. And so women are tend to ask in the form of complaints and hope that our husbands get it, you know, and, and men just won't ask at all, but then we'll blow up. And even, you know, I have a blog post and I actually um, interviewed my son-in-law and, and my husband to put this together, things that men need to hear and stuff. And even like, cause there's a lot of men who are gamers and they love playing video games, even permission to, you know, honey, why don't you go play for a half an hour or whatever? They won't ask for that. A lot of them may just run off and do it and sneak it and, and all that. And they'll be bitter and resentful. If you're like, I need you over here, but to offer that freely, you know, to your husband, to give them permission to spend a little bit of time on themselves because they've been carrying a work day's worth of stress as well. It looks incredibly different than ours, but nonetheless, it's their own kind of stressors. And so I'll, I'll share that in the band app too, but yeah, thank you for that, Margaret. It does help. They do want our encouragement and they respond really well to it. And let's be real. We'd respond well to it as well. Abby says here, I also have that Justin has responded differently. Once I started acknowledging certain things, when I start with, I know you've had a long day and worked so hard, he responds better. Truth. Yes. When, because that goes, I hear you, I see you, but I need this. So everything you've gone through, how you've spent your day is valid. And I know you're stressed too and stuff, but can we come together at this moment? And can you help me with the kids while we get this done? Yes, that works much better because we all want to be seen, heard, and accepted. We all want that. And so when we acknowledge that, that does absolutely set the tone. Okay, number two. That was a long number one, and we got seven more to go. <laughs> That's all right. All right, number two. We need, Margaret touched, touched on this one. We need to accept his imperfection. We need to accept his imperfection. And he's not going to do it the same but here's the deal, Romans 8, 28, we all know that one. Let's see here. Uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Your husband can butcher everything and God's got a plan and work. Your husband can fail. Your husband can bathe the kids wrong. Your husband can load the dishwasher. He can butcher all of it. And we can go ahead and just let him fail because God's behind the scenes working it all out for good. That is a promise we can have. We can give our husbands permission to fail. And so if he makes bad decisions, it's okay. Because if we're there to gripe on every decision he makes or criticize everything he makes, like I said, he's going to go fine. I'm going to quit making them. I'm going to quit making them. And one of the things <clears throat> about salt, one of the, the benefits about salt, when we're called to be the salt of the earth and the salt for our husbands, is salt acts as a preservative. Salt makes things last longer. And so that means as believers, as wives, we should be the ones who could stand under trial better. We should be the ones that can we're preserved more, we're preserved in, in Jesus. So when our husbands make mistakes and when we have trials or hardships in, her, in our families, in our marriages, that salt of the earth, it also is a preservative. It's us showing the world when our marriage is struggling, when our husband is imperfect, that you know what, I can withstand this. 
I am preserved in this. I can last longer than those of you without the salt. I, I can last longer in this. And so that in itself is a huge message to your husbands. Everybody got that? Oh yeah, Ariana, no, no condemnation. If you're getting awareness, get awareness, but there's no condemnation. The enemy will have you have guilt you and go look how much you're screwing up. And when guilt is there, it paralyzes and we go, I'm just a failure and I do nothing. Jesus does not work that way. If you're having conviction, then here's the difference. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will convict you and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this wrong. Now I have an action that I want to put in place because God has brought this to the surface. He's brought it out of the darkness. It's in the light. And now I'm encouraged to change and to do better. So know the difference. If you're paralyzed in guilt, that is never how God works. Never, ever. No condemnation. Condemnation and guilt are the, are the same things and will stop you in your tracks and prevent you from growing. So don't feel bad about it. Just acknowledge it and go, okay, Lord, help me. So the Holy Spirit's conviction will lead to action. Satan's guilt will lead to just doubt and paralyzation. So know the difference. So just want to do that. Yes, more conviction. That's what we want. That is what we want. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm with you, Tina. Like, oh, bad. Con I was controlling and manipulative and all the things. And why? Because I had been hurt. And when we're hurt, we preserve ourselves. We protect ourselves in those areas. And so pain changes us. And we've all, we don't get out of this world without experiencing pain. And so it does change us. And so we have a responsibility to start working on that. Like we talked about yesterday, put our baggage down, open it up and go, God, you unload this piece of luggage, throw the whole thing away if that's what you need to do. But unpack it with me, unpack it with me. Right, Abby, I remember Justin accidentally ruined our wood siding on our very first very old house when he power washed the siding too hard. That's hard. That is hard. Like you instantly want to scream at them for ruining that and costing you all the money and all that. This ended up costing like $7,000. When he did this, I remember telling him to go have a beer and sit in the garage and forgive himself because I knew someday there would be something I do that would cost us a crap load of money and I would want him to respond with grace 10 years ago. Yes, because you know what? Your husband knew, Justin knew he just cost him seven grand. That, that's enough of a lesson. Usually when our husbands fail, they've learned the lesson. Life teaches consequences. We don't need to come behind it and, and rub our husband's nose in the dirt. We don't need to do that. We need to let God go, okay, you saw him do that, Lord. I told him not to do it that hard. I told him to turn it home. That's where you, Romans 8, 28 it and go, you got to work this out for good, Lord. You teach him, you, you convict him, you show him. But yeah, in those moments when we butcher it that bad, we need grace. We need grace. Grace is always the better teacher. <clears throat> okay. Number three, we need to control our focus. When it comes to our husband, we need to control our focus and get it off of his flaws. We don't need, we don't want anybody pointing out our flaws. We don't want that. And we don't need to do that to our husband. So if you're using always and never statements, that is you actively pointing out your husband's flaws. And, and that's not what we want to do. And so that's, 
that's because there's a difference between complaining and criticizing. Complaining is saying, I don't like this. Criticizing is saying, I don't like you and you're not good enough. And, and that's not what we want to do. We're allowed to say, can you do it this way? Because it works better this way or something like that. But to go, you do this wrong. Why don't you ever do it like this? There's a big difference in complaining and criticizing. And so we want to control our focus and not focus on all the negative and all that our husband's not doing because that is hurtful to them. And that is such a stack of overwhelm that we give them. And again, it will shut them down. All right, Nicole says, I honestly have no idea how to show Cliff respect or anything else you're talking about. He said he isn't this type probably because his respect, because he has respect in his head about how his dad is with respect, if that makes sense. I know I need to do better and have been praying a lot about how to help Cliff. This season sucks and I've not been a good wife, so I tried to be quiet more. All right. <clears throat> so are you saying, is Cliff saying that he's pretty good with respect because his father modeled that well? No, he's, because we've talked about this a lot with different marriage things that we've done. And he's like, I'm just not that type who needs all this respect and honor. And I'm like, okay. But someone said, well, how is his, like, is it because of how his dad wanted respect? And I kind of wonder if it's like that, like his dad was like this very, I don't know how to explain it. Like you must respect him type of thing. I don't know if he demanded it from his wife but like very maybe stern, not like in a bad, I don't know how to explain it, but I think it, I think maybe he thinks of it as like a bad thing. It's like a not, power move. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. 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 And so he, he has an, uh, an improper definition of respect. Yeah. And what it is. But yes, if you list off the respect as far as the significance where, um, let me, I'm looking at my notes here. Do you want to, you know, does Cliff want to be trusted? Does he want to be believed in? Does he want to be seen as a, as a leader and capable? Does he want to be encouraged? Yes, he does. And any man who says that that's not important is a man who is afraid of vulnerability. It's a man who's going, it's too scary to ask for it and be disappointed. So I will just act like I don't have those expectations. But absolutely, God made your husband to want all of those things, to be, re to be respected, to be honored, to be believed in, to be trusted and, and, you know, and in a position of leadership. And so that is what men, what men want to have. And if they don't, it's because they're too scared of being disappointed of not getting it. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Let's see. Yes, yes, yes. Number four, speak well of him to his face, to his friends, to your family. We have the most power single-handedly to destroy our husband's reputation. We can badmouth our husbands to a friend in one conversation that will completely permanently alter the way they view our man. We could say something to our mother negative about our husband and they will believe that that is who our husband is where to us it might be just be the one thing the isolated incident but we've now tarnished his reputation in front of his friends and in, or in front of our friends in front of our, our family <clears throat> and to him we say one harsh word to our husband just like with us 
that it, it can become a permanent wounding, it can do the same thing to your husband. And so we are called in Colossians 4, 6, Excuse <clears throat> me. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. That is another part of, of being the salt of the earth and being the salt in our home is our words have to be seasoned. Because when we season our words, that's what makes it palatable. That what makes it go down. That's why we can, that's how it says, let me read that again, the lesson is, um, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. When we speak with words, it's, it's the answer. When we are speaking with grace and humility and words that are seasoned with salt, they're accepted, they go down, and they're easier for people to take and digest. And so when we're speaking well of our husband, that I skipped ahead, I just combined two, I just realized that, but that's going to play into it. And so because number five is think before you speak. And so when we're using our words and they're well seasoned, and when we do that publicly, see how I'm going to wrap this all up together now? When we do it publicly, people will receive good words about your husband and be, that's, that's a good man. That, that's a good man. Those words will go down smoothly and they, will, they in turn will honor and respect him. You know, and so that's what we want to be doing. But when we're speaking directly to them, um, yeah, and that will be the same way, is that they will be the words that they can hear and that they can accept and take. And James 1.19 talks about being <clears throat> quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That is seasoned with salt. When we listen you know, that goes back a little bit, you know, to Abby. And although Justin didn't share anything with her to listen, it was her saying, I hear you and I see you, that you've had a hard day too. So I'm going to slow it down. And before I speak, I'm going to hear, I'm going to see the position that you're in. And so that is part of that as well. Proverbs 21, 23, <clears throat> that says, whoever keeps his mouth shut his mouth and it, whoever keeps his mouth, I added that in there. You like that? That was just natural, just flowed right out. <laughs> whoever, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You know, and sometimes that's what it's about. We just need to hold our tongues. You know, does, and that was, you know, when Justin ruined the siding, I don't need to say anything to him. He got the lesson. I don't need to criticize him for that. He knows he just broke that. He knows that how we just disciplined didn't go so well. He's aware because life has just taught him that, you know? And, and so we, we don't need to always open our mouth. And so we need to make sure when we do speak that it is seasoned with salt, that it will be received and it will go down smoothly, whether that's in public or directly to them. <clears throat> Number six, we need to praise our husbands to our children. We need to be praising his character and we need to be praising him as a dad. Again, whether or not he's deserving of it, you find that one thing that your husband is good at and you speak it to him and you speak it to your children. 
because that is another benefit of salt. And I love this, how like the real world, like salt in the real world does these things. It preserves, it seasons things. So they're, they're perfectly, they taste perfect. They're the best, they're the best flavor, but salt also makes things, makes things melt. It makes ice melt. And so if there is a hardness inside of your husband, your words, that seasoning with salt, that, that respect, that praise will begin to melt his heart. And so that is a gift of them. And so let your kids know <clears throat> how great you think daddy is. Don't wait for daddy to be great in all areas. You speak that greatness over him and in front of his children. Let them grow up with a father that they, that they respect because we're teaching them how to respect. That's a whole nother byproduct of respecting our husbands is we're teaching our children how to do it too. Not because like, you know, Cliff was sharing, you know, or his dad demands it, but because he's worthy of respect. He's a man of significance because Christ has declared him as such. And so praise your kids. Number seven, make it tangible. Physically touch your husband, hold his hand, rub his shoulders. Show him that you desire him, that he is a man that you actually want. Send him a text message. Write him a note that here, here's my praise for you. Write him a note. I think you're great at this or thank you for doing this. Do tangible things that he can hold on to. <clears throat> Put your hand on his leg in the car. Let him know I see you and I, and I actually still desire you. You are a man that I desire. That, that will puff your husband up in a good way, in a good way. Okay, <clears throat> last one, number eight, a message we've heard time and time again, pray for him. When you pray for your husband, when you ask him, babe, how can I pray for you today? Maybe write in a little note, a, a prayer over your husband. When you pray for him, you're saying you are so important that I am going to take you before the throne of God. That is what we do with our most precious and important things is we hand them to the father. And so to take your husband before the throne is a beautiful way of saying you are so important to me that I want God's protection over you. I want God's best for you. And I want God to work in you and use you and, and do all the things that he wants to do with you. Okay. Uh, yeah, Alicia, we'll get you some notes. They'll be in the, be in the band app. <coughs> Okay, so we got all of those because at the end, at the end of it, our husbands, first Peter, I've read this before, three, one through two, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see <coughs> your respectful and pure conduct. When we respect our husbands, we point them to Jesus. We bring out the best leaders in them. We bring out their significance. We bring out all that God made them to be. That is power. That is power in your marriage. <clears throat> and when we grow our own godliness, when we become closer to Jesus, when we follow, because respecting our husband isn't just me and my husband. It's God, me, my husband. God says to respect my husband, so therefore I will. 
It's not my husband has earned respect, so now therefore I will. No, God said it, we pour it out. And this is why. Imagine why the enemy makes it hard for us to respect our husband, because it has the power to bring them to Jesus and to make them more Christ-like. Talk about a target for him to attack. And so know the power that we have. And when our godliness grows, when we grow in, in Christ, it also grows his godliness. And so we want to be doing that. <clears throat> and we want to not have too much salt and we don't want it to be watered down either. We don't want to be... We want to be effective without being overbearing. Our husbands don't need us clamoring in their ear about how to be a leader in the marriage. They don't need us telling them all the things they need to do that will make them good, that will make them the, the spiritual head or a good leader or good at their job or, or anything like that. We don't want to be overbearing. We don't want to have so much salt that we're um, legalistic. We don't want to be legalistic and this is how it should be and this is what we should do. But we, and we also don't want to have too much to where we're overpowering. Because if you've ever eaten anything with too much salt on it, mm -mm. no, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And so we want to use the healing component because that's another thing salt in the real world does is it heals. It heals. And so we want to have words and actions and behaviors that are healing to our husbands. And too much of that salt is legalism and it's going to taste bitter, but too little of it, if we're doing nothing, it's bland and it's undesirable. And that is not what we want for our husbands either. And so know the power that you have through one little word, one little word. And the same would be true for your husbands if love was what he chose to, to fight for and to show you. It would have a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of power, and it would just unleash so many things and bring so much healing to our hearts if our husbands loved us well. That's the story I have. I am a changed woman because of how wonderfully and tender and just unconditionally my husband has loved me. You know, and I know that I have provided him that same, that same thing because he may not have gotten the message that he was enough, but he's getting it from me. He's going to get that from me. And so we have power in, in our marriages. And so any questions, any thoughts? I'm so thankful that you joined us for this week's episode of the Raising Kids Together podcast. I hope you've been blessed by listening in on our Zoom room. We would love for you to join us. You can come when you can and come as you are. Simply go to RaisingKidsOnYourKnees.org and click the button on the front page to enter the Raising Kids Together Zoom Room. We meet Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Have a great day.